Hello and welcome to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups. In this episode, we talk about the power of creativity and how using creativity allows us to shift from feeling like a victim of our lives to being a co-creator with God and how creativity is the birthplace of hope and a future different than our past. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome back, and it is so great to be sitting down again with Scott and Sarah as we are into episode 11, and this episode is about creativity and specifically how creativity ties in with change and development. And so, Sarah, why don't why don't we just start out with uh, kind of your and Restore's uh, uh, definition and explanation of what is creativity and how does it affect uh, change in our lives? Mm-hmm. So creativity, I think, gets associated a lot, or just that word brings up a lot of, uh, we start thinking automatically, I don't know why, about art. We Mm -hmm. we think about being crafty or drawing or painting or something in in that realm, and that is our sort of, I think, very superficial definition of creativity. Right. But really, in truth, creativity just means the ability to come up with a new idea, the ability to look at something from a different perspective. Mm. Um, and so it can be an idea, a thing, a process, um, and a, just a, a new way of life. And I think creativity is overlooked, honestly, until Brene Brown came out with her work. I think mm. creativity was overlooked as a direct birthing place of hope and change. Mm. And we've really delved into that, I think, a lot over the last few years of thinking about how to tap into that creativity. What are some of the ways in which you can start digging back into your creative self Mm. um, in order to make new choices and find a new life and make new goals and move towards those? And so I think creativity comes in probably infinite amount of forms Mm. and you can use it in everything. I mean, you, if it doesn't matter if you're in science or business or education or psychology, um, or, or the arts, you can be using your creative mind always to be shaping and forming the world and ourselves into something new Mm. and more, and hopefully not just new, but more enlightened and, um, and better than we were before. Uh, something as a, and I've shared this before, as an Enneagram one, something I totally resonate with in terms of looking around the world and seeing, well, how can we make this better mm. or more efficient or uh, fill the gaps of things that aren't working? But if you cannot think in a creative way, I mean, it sounds logical, but sometimes it's not so obvious. If we don't tap into that creative self, we are not going to be able to make steps forward into a new life because we have to be able to imagine mm. that new life. We have mm. to, that's we're always talking about creating vision and at the end of our groups, we're making plans of change, but really that is just an exercise in vision of saying, if I could create the life that I want or the mm. life that I need, what would that look like? Well, we can't do that without our creative selves. Mm. So, but many people come into group, we've all, and we've talked extensively in the podcast about toxic shame and what that means. And toxic shame often tells us we're not enough. And in that mindset, if we're stuck there in that toxic shame, we are not allowing ourselves to dream a new dream. Mm. We're limiting ourselves. And I think that in the end is the biggest detriment of toxic shame is that it limits our ability to be creative in our Mm. next steps. Mm. Well, it's interesting that you said that as you were talking, it reminded me of we are 
oftentimes creative when we're imagining worst case scenarios, when we're obsessively thinking, when we're in toxic chain, we are creating a future, you know, that, that we're afraid of. And so it's almost what you're, it's beautiful how you said it's such a, the word empowering came up for me because Mm -hmm. it, it kind of takes the keys back and says, no, instead of projecting a lot of fear, I'm going, I would like to investigate and create what would it look like if my life were different that's a big power shift for a lot of people so thank you for clarifying that and I know inspiration um, obviously is something that um, you know Scott you're a writer so obviously you know inspiration is very much a part of your process I'm sure it can be elusive at times but can you talk a little bit about you know how creativity comes from inspiration and how that can come in many forms well I think um when I first read um, Brene Brown's, she was talking about hope. She said that hope is something that can be learned. Mm. It can be cultivated. And then she made this one statement that just really has stuck with me forever about hope. She says that at the center of hope, she says, is resilience. Mm. And at the center of resilience is creativity. And she said, because creativity gives a person a sense of empowerment. And I thought about that. So if I have the belief that I can build something new, I can construct something. I can create something. And for us, we believe that we're co-creators with God. Mm. Then that, that's going to instill in a person a sense of hopefulness. Mm. And it really makes sense to me. Well, the other person, which comes back to my favorite word, paradigm, if I see my situation through the eyes of shame and despair, mm. there is no hope. Mm. Nothing will ever change. Then that just takes life. I was looking at Psalm 13 this morning. And he says that, you know, he, he asked God to enlighten me, help me see life mm-hmm. like I'm not seeing it. Otherwise, I'm going to sleep. The, I'm going to sleep with the dead. You know, it's mm-hmm. basically so, and which is to me despair. Despair is the provisional existence, which we've talked about. Right. That things are never going to change. Mm. But if I um, believe that and I see things from a vision of, I can work on a process. I can build something with God, co-create. And this is why we do so much work with vision because it's like what Sarah was saying. It all starts at vision because I really believe that the center of vision is intrinsic hope. Mm. Because if if I don't see that things can change, if I don't see there's things I can actually do, that's why going to a meeting, calling my friends, you know, working working on a new narrative, these things take work. I'm constructing a new... Um, and then that, sir, what was that, that book again, that, the first one? The Artist Way. The Artist Way. Yeah. I read that years ago. And she was talking about creativity. And she said that people who force themselves to be creative really were missing it. Mm. She says where true creativity comes from, she used the word, there's enthusiasm. Mm. And she said enthusiasm in Greek means with God. Wow. And I thought... If you can believe that, that God and I can together co-create a new life. Jesus says, behold, I make all things what? New. Mm. And that gives a person a sense of hope. Because, again, we go back to what we talked about, hope. Nobody does anything. They don't, do any, they don't move anywhere yeah. if they don't believe there's hope. Mm. And so at the center of hope is creativity. Wow. You were talking about, Scott, the intrinsic nature to creating a vision well you can't have someone else create your vision so it does kind of put some power back into your corner to say this is my life nobody can answer these questions for me so it's a very it's an it's 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 almost like the jumping off 
point to have intrinsic motivation because it has to come from you. It's your vision. I was thinking about that this morning that when Frankel talked about the most deadly mental state for the Jewish prisoners in the German death camps was provisional existence. Mm. When they saw no hope, mm. they, there was nothing they could do, that their existence was permanent, that, and there was no meaning to it either. And Frankel found that he had a spiritual vision of how he could have a purpose in the midst of this very difficult situation. Mm. And, it, and he actually found a hope and hope sustained him through in one of the most difficult places. Otherwise, with provisional existence, I think about when I get there, it's despair. Mm. It's hopelessness. Mm. There's no hope. And if you can help a person see that they can actually, I love what Brene Brown says, I can cultivate this. I can, it's just not some pink cloud that floats in. I have an active role mm. in building it. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And I think Julia Cameron, in the artist's way, talks about the fact that most of us, and we're, we talk often about going back to our childhood, but she really emphasizes that we're all very creative as children. Mm. You know, We don't limit ourselves to the things that we imagine or yeah. we play outside and we create whole worlds, you know, and we color and we, you know, build things and there's this whole creative life. And then somewhere along the way, either we lose touch with it or sometimes there's even an active squashing of it. Right. You know, she talks in the book about, you know, maybe one time you drew a picture and someone made fun of it. Right. Or you wrote something and someone didn't like it. Mm. And those are those moments as a human being where you go, well, then I guess I'm not good at this or Mm. I should stop doing this because I don't want to be made fun of or criticized for an artistic risk. And that's the thing as kids, we're not thinking of it in those terms. We just make whatever we want to make because that's what seems to inspire us and what's fun. And, you know, we don't, we're not really anticipating that somebody's going to find fault with that. Mm. But, um, and, and so I think then that's, we squash it and we lose touch with something that's so innately important to our humanity going forward. No, it's beautiful. I'm really glad you said that about, kids and creativity because I have a seven and a five year old and you should see like my place is full of artwork. I hang all of it. Well, they get to hang it. They get to, they get to choose their wall of fame, but it's nonstop. And if I leave them in a room for 30 minutes, they'll take, you know, a toilet paper roll, uh, glue and have something put together. And I'm not, it's just that embedded nature. And it's like, they're so close to God at an early age that it's just so obvious that we're the mirror image of our creator when we're creating, you know? So, um, but yeah, I, the Julia Cameron book with Artist Way is so powerful because I feel like she she takes you through that internal process of some of those barriers to what's keeping you, some of those stories because they get they get they're unconscious and you don't even realize how it can keep you held back. And and I'm Scott, I'm so glad that you talked about. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go paint a painting or, or write a sheet of music. It's creating a vision. It's it's having a new thought, a new paradigm, creating a new paradigm. Um, is is a massive, massive act of creativity. I was thinking, sir, I was talking about that, that Thompson says that how we remember the past is going to determine the present. Wow. And so, but he says we can actually create a new memory mm-hmm. of the past. And I was talking to a person this weekend who is in recovery for breast cancer and is having a, a miraculous recovery. And she said that she worked 
for a whole year on. She goes, I realized I had to remember my past differently. Mm. She completely co-created with God a new way of remembering her past, which is what we know about forming new neural pathways. Mm. And so her whole outlook wow. was transformed. Wow. And I also was thinking about that. You guys know I love movies. But in the movie Dreamer, where the little girl, her dad has become cynical. He, he's given up. He had trained champion horses, and he had run into some hard times. And so he had become very bitter, very resentful, mm. and cynical. And the little girl wants to go buy this horse, and her and her daddy train it to be a champion racehorse. And he's like, talked to his wife one night, the mother saying, it's a pipe dream. We just need to tell her right now that it's hopeless and it's never going to happen. I don't want her to chase stuff. And the mother says, stop, stop, stop. Let her have her dream. Mm. Let it carry her as far as it can. That is the power wow. of creativity. And so, you know, when we see things through the lens of shame mm. and we've become cynical, uh, physically it's going to affect us, mentally it's going to affect us in every way. But if we can begin to see things differently, a new paradigm where we're creating a new way of seeing everything through God, through a new lens, I think that's what Brene Brown was talking about. Mm. You know, it empowers me. I, can, I got a, a different future. Mm. And mm -hmm. I don't think we can talk about creativity either without talking about risk. Yeah. Because I think that's the other flip side of creativity is it does require risking vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why if kids are nurtured in that way from the time that they're young to, yeah. to take risks, what a gift, you know, yeah. to, to try to fail, to recover, to have someone there to help you nurture that in yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, I've read a few articles over the years of CEOs who, you know, that that's that was their story, mm -hmm. was they grew up in a family where risk was encouraged, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of trying and failing. I was, mm -hmm. What an amazing thing that is. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of us have not experienced being able to risk without feeling like we failed in a way that there was no way to recover. Right. We, you know, there wasn't not really the support system to say you shouldn't, if you risk and fail, it's okay. Mm. It's like, if you risk and fail, watch out. Mm. And so either sometimes we've limited ourselves because we're like, I'm, I'm going to stay safe. I'm going to keep the expectations low mm. in my life because if I risk too much and I fail, I don't know how I'll recover. Mm. Um, and so I think part of the healing process for, for anyone who comes from a background and I'm speaking from experience, part of the healing process is learning slowly to take risk again. Yeah. And no, you can, is what we were saying about resiliency. You can recover mm. And you will learn, and then you can take even bigger creative risks. Mm -hmm. And I think anyone coming from that background has to be gentle with themselves, s learn to take small yeah. risks, yeah. and then see how that feels, and mm -hmm. then try again. Because I, I don't think that once we've moved away from that in our adult lives, and it feels a little bit like something that's more than just a little risky sure. to do, we have to really wade into those waters yeah. gently. Yeah and try again. But yes, there's no creativity without vulnerability or feeling like you put something out there that yeah. somebody could criticize or mm -hmm. someone could tell you you're wrong or someone could tell you you're crazy. Right. Um, but that's part of it. Uh, nothing, if you think about the world, there is nothing creative that has ever come to fruition mm -hmm. that didn't have 
some risk and liability in it. Mm. Um, but thank goodness people, they take those risks anyway. Yeah, that's so true. And I know that Stephen Pressel writes about in the war of art about, uh, resistance. And I wanted to hit on that because, you know, when you're, there is resistance to anything that you're trying to create that's new and it's almost to expect it. And I know that Julie Cameron calls it maybe the inner critic or whatever. We all have different terms for it. Uh, we're talking here about how our toxic shame can, can try and stifle us and say, no, don't, don't get your hopes up. Or so can we talk a little bit about that? Because I do think that there is this force that kind of wants us to sit down and stay quiet and to not reach our full potential. So I think it's important that we, we have to talk about it that way. It's when it comes up for people as they're, they're trying to move through change when they notice that it, it's not like, Oh, something's wrong with me. I'm experiencing. No, that's, that's what we all experience. And it kind of creates a little bit of universality in that experience when you are being met head on with this almost like antithesis force that's almost pushing up against it's like a yin to the yang it's like what's going on here so can you talk a little bit about that well dr thompson believes that in the soul of shame he says that that force is shame Mm. and it is intentional to, to cease our expansion for our reaching our potential you know, it's interesting. I've been reading so much about having a North Star, an exemplary cause, mm-hmm. and the power of it to pull. And Richard Orr was actually writing this week that how religion and church is really used for centuries, shame to scare you, mm-hmm. to use fear to get you to, I guess, line up in moral ways. Right. But it's, you know... Love and grace pulls us. So, hold on. so to me, that's, that's if God created in me this incredible imagination and this, um, this potential, if I have a vision, it becomes an exemplary cause. It's going to pull me. That's why I like that phrase, that mother, let it carry you as far as it can. Mm. You know, um, just the pursuit of our dreams. Mm. It's the journey mm. that transforms us. And often... It's not the attainment of it. It's just the process of it, mm. which is what I love. Um, and I just want to say one other thing, if anybody's listening, no matter how old you are, right. no matter what you've been through in life, at any moment, you can create a new beginning. Mm. And that takes great courage. Um, there's that word, create. You know, creation, just uh, that, that is a paradigm shift mm. that I can start anew today. Mm. But it's actually an upward spiral. Right. You know, it's recycling upward is the way I like to think of it. Mm. Like Sarah was talking about the risk. It is inevitable. I'm going to have setbacks. I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah. It's not going to be flawless. Mm. You know, but I learn from it. So I'm actually starting from a new point forward each time. Mm. So you're building on something. You're not starting on, you're not starting exactly. new every single time. That's and that's 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 hopeful in and of itself. But the hardest part is to make the beginning. Mm. Um, Covey said in his book that the when they, the Apollo rockets, when they were launching to go to, those, to the moon, that I think he said like 90% of the energy, of the fuel, was used just to get out of the first two miles wow. to get out of the Earth's atmosphere. And then it just sailed. Wow, that's a beautiful metaphor. And I think that's the way it is for us. It's going to... because. There's a lot of resistance there mm-hmm. early. Mm-hmm. You know, those old paradigms, those old narratives uh, and all that, and it's going to pull us down. Breaking free from that, then we can play. So, so that's why I just encourage the listener. 
Yeah, and I want to revert back to the importance of vision because if you don't have the vision, then you don't really have that. What, what am I moving towards again? Because sometimes when you mm-hmm. change for the sake of change and it's extrinsic, we talked about this, it's like, well, then once that relationship gets fixed or whatever reason that you're changing stops, then you're fine. But that vision is that North Star. It's saying, no, this is what I want. And it's, it's tapping back into desire again. It's, oh. it's mm-hmm. Desire is everything. I think you're going to feel both internal and external resistance to creativity. Mm -hmm. The internal is immediate, almost immediate. Right. You're like, I'm going to do this. No, you know what? (laughs) Mm -mm. I don't think that's a good idea. You know? And then external, I mean, how many, if you look through the the annals of history, how many people have come up with brilliant uh, ideas or stumbled upon actual truth, Mm. whether it's science or math and and people thought they were nuts. Yeah. And immediately said, the, no, that's impossible. Yeah, you know, the absolutely. earth is flat. It is not round. Yeah. You know, I mean, come on. <laughs> so it's like everyone who's ever pushed forward an idea that ended up actually, we, we look back now and are like, well, that's ridiculous. Mm. Why would you oppose that? But that's, I think, what immediately will happen is mm. if you're tapping into something new, things that are new often challenge people. Mm. And then when they are challenged, they resist you mm. in, in that. And they don't want to move that forward. Um, so I think it happens on every level. So yeah, if we can get it out and even push to the internal resistance, we have to be ready for mm. the external mm. resistance too. I want to circle around um, how creativity really is a way of exploring God again. It's, you know, we, we are, at least from my perspective, growing up very traditional, you know, it was very uh, subservient relationship. There was not a lot of collaboration, certainly. And it was pretty much like, I'm, I'm, God's way over there. I'm living by the rules, but this, you know, we're talking about tapping into the very nature of God and, and, and our God-like nature. So can we talk a little bit about that? Because I feel like it almost provides us a new avenue to experience God in a new way, even not just for our own personal change, but it gives us a way to change our paradigm about how we think of God and how we think he feels about our ability to create. Is it allowed? Am I allowed to create a new life, God, or am I supposed to be happy? Because that's, that's gotta be a paradigm for a lot of people is, you know, I was, I was raised, it's almost like if you were suffering, that was like the, you knew you were doing it right. If, if your life is not going well, you knew you were on the way to heaven or whatever you want to call it. It's like, so, so I do think it's a real paradigm shift to, to, to allow some, some permission to say, wow, God actually yearns the same desires that I have in my heart. Mm-hmm. He yearns for me to create this vision because that's very hopeful. Can we talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Well, I do think we have to sort of switch our thinking on that. It, if we live in America, because the idea is creativity comes from me. Mm. That's the way this culture is set up. Mm. I'm the entrepreneur and I come up with my ideas and then I go execute my ideas. Mm. And so we're hard on ourselves and that we have to have the brilliant idea. You know, we have to be the next Jeff Bezos and come up with Amazon kind of thing. But I think in sense, the way God works is the total opposite. We are meant to open ourselves up, Mm. almost like a conduit. Mm. Um, If we can let go of our ego, if we can let go of worrying so much about whether we're going to make our mark in the world, so to speak, in a capitalistic world, we can open ourselves up and say, well, I'm here and I'm willing. Mm. So whatever it is you need to feed to me in terms of where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do. And maybe there's many things I'm supposed to do, maybe Mm. not just one, but, uh, that's always been my, when I sort of switched that for myself, I 
notice that ideas come to me sort of easier mm. in some ways. But they don't always always come in the time that I want them to. Right. And sometimes I'll think on something for months and months, mm. um, years mm. <laughs> before all of a sudden one day I'm like, aha. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so I think God sort of feeds those in, in the necessary time, mm. but it's a total, I think, paradigm shift from I have to force creativity. I have to make it happen versus I'm tapping into the God of all creativity right. and I'm letting he, he or she mold and shape me mm. based on my gifts and talents, right. what I can and cannot do. Mm. And I've always said, and this is, this is my theory, but I'm sticking to it is we live in a world where I think we've only scratched the surface of understanding right. the world that we live in and the complexity of it. And I almost think a lot of the answers to our questions are already here. We just haven't. And so I, I look, I just look out in nature and I'm like, wow, mm everything's here for us. Mm. We just haven't figured it out yet. And mm. that kind of always makes me feel, I don't know, puts everything in perspective. Yeah, for me absolutely. Absolutely. Scott, is there anything else you wanted to close out with on creativity? I do want to hit the resources because you guys are so well read that I want to make sure and hit um, each book and what you like about each. You don't have to go on a long but we already hit Artist Way. That's by Julia Cameron. Um, we've talked a little bit about Daring Greatly with Brene Brown. But what specifically about that book did you guys appreciate about creativity? I love the book because of just the fact that the idea that daring greatly to do anything requires risk and vulnerability. And mm. she's very clear in the book, and I love it. that She's like, well, you know, unless you're going to get – unless you are in this arena – and you are actively risking. I do not want to hear your opinion right. of what of what this means. Sure, you know. And I think that I keep that in mind all the time. Right. Everybody's got an opinion, but but I will take the advice and the wisdom and the discernment from the people who are in the arena. Yeah. Because if you're risking, you know that that's that's hard, and it's easy to pass judgment on other people's creativity. But if you are also actively risking, yeah, out there then you know you that understand. Like, yeah. Sure. And then Scott, we were talking, uh, the last one is let your life speak by Parker Palmer. Can you talk a little about that resource and book? That's Sarah's. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about it? Yeah, my favorite thing Parker Palmer talks about is, is how he, when he was struggling with his depression mm. and he was, here's someone trying to create a, a way out and he, he couldn't find a way out. And everybody kept coming, trying to, fix him mm. and encourage him and actually it had the an, an adverse effect actually mm. made him you know it was a beautiful day you should get out in and well that made him feel even worse because he couldn't see it was a beautiful day but then the person who was just present with him um and just said he just kind of rubbed his shoulders rubbed his feet and just was sat with him didn't try to fix him um and said i Feel you're getting stronger, mm. and and then actually the, the paradigm shift was he says maybe you don't need to look at your depression as the enemy, but could it be a gift? Mm. And what can it teach you? Um, and that, to me, is what we're talking about. He saw it differently, mm. and then he actually used it and got a vision for it. But I did want to close with this that um, I have found in the last year and a half I was introduced to contemplative prayer mm. and it's a completely different way of praying um, I mean I moved from 
transactional position with God, bringing my prayer requests, praying, praying for what I'm asking him to bless what I wanted, you know, to a place of just being still mm. and listening and allowing God to create in me a whole new way of seeing things. And it, I mean, I found it to be life-changing. And um, especially Father Keating's, you can get the app on any phone, but Centering Prayer is just so powerful because mm. it creates a, I do believe it creates a pathway for God to talk mm. and to influence and create in me versus me having God be the means to what my end is. And then also, um, we, we say that we believe what we see, but the truth is we see what we believe. Mm. And so having a vision where it comes from a place of, I believe this, will change how we see everything. And that is the inward journey. Mm. And then so that's what I, I have learned for me is that I'm beginning to really look at what I believe about myself and what I believe about life. Mm. And that's changing how I see myself and how I see life. And that's transformation. Mm. Yeah, I think if we can, to your point, f- heal and find our true selves, mm-hmm. then we will find our own unique sense of creativity in that. Mm. That is where... Because this idea that, you know, uh, whatever you want to do, you can do is not exactly true. Mm-hmm. We have all been uniquely gifted with something and mm-hmm. multiple things, combinations of things and what we can use to create. But I think we have to, well, we can't really get to that unless yeah. we tap into the true authentic self. Mm-hmm. And then we start to see, you know, if we can let God talk to us, we start to see how uniquely we contribute to the world yeah. and create, can create uniquely. Mm, that's powerful. All right. And Scott, do you want to close out? Vision, mission, destiny. Mm. Vision, when, I, when I'm working on myself and work with people, is the person that God really created me to be my true self. Mm. As I become that person, then I will be able to fulfill my mission. What is it, the impact that my life would have on this world? And if I do that, I fulfill my destiny, the reason I was born. And I think those are the happiest people I have found, the most Mm. content people that are peace. They know who they are. They know what their mission is, the impact they're to have, whether it's to be the best clerk Mm. at Kroger or to write the book or to be a head of Amazon or everything in between. It's our personal erite, our personal best. And then we fulfill that destiny. And I think... So this work that we're talking about, creating that pathway, first I be, and then I will be able to do. And that's just the opposite of where our society is. Yeah. So say that one more time. That is the opposite. So I want to make sure that's hit home because that's a beautiful, beautiful picture of how it works. First I must be, mm. become the true me. Then I will know what to do and I will do it well. Mm. But in our society, we do it the opposite. We train you to do this. And then you'll become successful. You'll be this, and it's just, it's just we're, we've had it wrong. Mm. That's beautiful. Well, thank you guys so much. There's a lot of inspiration in, in this episode, and um, I know this is integral to uh, everything that you guys do with the small group. So you know, you guys can expect a lot of this as you um, consider joining a small group. We want to continue to. Um, 
have you follow that inspiration and know that it may be met with resistance, but on the only other side of it is hope, healing, and change. Well, thank you all so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Restore Small Groups is a nonprofit based in Nashville, Tennessee. To find out more, visit us online at restoresmallgroups.org.